Anytime during the message, come up front. Marcus and Katie are our prayer team leaders. Yeah. And so, and so if you need prayer during the message, please, please don't hesitate. Eloquent words from a, a, an average human is, does not take precedence over a prayer and lifting someone up. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. What a day. Here we go. When we worship like that, something's going to happen. Amen, church? Here we go. Here we go. We're stepping into the year of constant prayer. This is the year of constant, constant prayer. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I believe that today is going to give us a lot of clarity. We opened up week one. Last week we talked about the fact that the temple has changed and the presence of God is available to you and to me. That's worthy of some celebration in this place, though. Come on now. The presence of God is available to you and to me. That's insane. I don't deserve it at all. But he makes himself available. A perfect God. A perfect God. Today we're going to be talking about living the life of constant prayer. And I had this question a couple times. We're going to ask it a little bit later. But, Nick, how do I pray like 24 hours a day? That's really difficult. I'm with you. It's really hard, and I, I pray that today brings a lot of clarity for your prayer life so that way we can live this out. Because I say this all the time, God would never give you a command but not equip you to fulfill the command, right? So if he says go and be generous, he's going to give you everything you need to be generous. If he says go and rest, I know you're stressed and busy and you're worried, but he's going to give you rest. He's going to give you the ability to rest. And so he never fails. If he's going to give you a promise and a command, he never fails. Amen, church. So today, we're talking about constant prayer. And this can be an uncomfortable topic in the church. I think the Western church kind of has two extremes. The route of prayer is really strange, and y'all are just going for it, and it's really foreign to me, and it's kind of weirding me out. Sometimes church stuff, church stuff can get a little interesting, right? okay. Jesus was weird too. But on the vice versa end, we have people who think prayer is, is just a, you know, a, a habitual ritualistic thing and just happens before the meal and that's it. And it can be an uncomfortable thing both ways. We have extremes. And so I thought, and, and Emmy and I have been praying for the past couple months, getting ready for this series, getting ready for this year. I thought that we need a lot of clarity on a prayer life. Am I the only one that needs clarity on a prayer, prayer life? Yeah. So, the year of constant prayer. I said it like this last week. We're going to say it like this every week. Constant prayer is not a fancy spiritual idea. It's not a cool suggestion. It's actually a command found within the Word of God. We are commanded to pray continually. Nick, how do I speak 24 hours a day? I'll show you how. I know I'm a, I'm a talker and I can talk the pain off the wall, okay? You don't have to be like me to pray continually. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians. This is the, the core scripture for this entire year coming up. Rejoice always. Some will say pray continually. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. I love that we sang that song, Gratitude. It's powerful. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When he says this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, that's pretty plain and straightforward. Listen to the aforementioned words. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. That's a big deal. We have to do this. 
This is a command. This year, we're going to discover the power of this constant connection with our Savior. I don't know where you're at on your journey. I don't know if you've been a believer for three months or 30 years. I'm just excited for us to take it to that next level. But here's the thing, is that we can just preach and talk some words, and we can read this sometimes and gloss over. This is going to take participation, and you got to give it everything you've got with me. Amen, church? And so when we ask people to, like, come up and lay hands and pray on people, like, let's step up and do it. This won't become a pattern, a command that we live out if we don't give it everything we've got. Right? So please, this year, there might be some uncomfortable moments. You might not know how to do it. That's okay. Just try. Give it everything you've got. The thing that I, I was reminded of when I was getting ready for this series is, is this. Even the disciples who we so value and are like, oh, they're so amazing. Peter, Paul, all these guys, oh, they're amazing. Even the disciples themselves did not know how to pray. Jesus was off alone. It says this in Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. These are guys who have been in his presence day after day after day after day. Went everywhere he went. And they finally recognized, whoa, Jesus is doing this pretty unique thing. Can you teach us how to do this too? This is where the, Lord prayer, the Lord's prayer comes in. But I find a lot of relief knowing that I'm not the only one who needs taught what a life of prayer looks like. We need taught. This is a teaching thing. We need taught what a life of prayer looks like looks like. And so I'm really excited to talk about that today. Today we're talking about your heart. Someone say, my heart. My heart is vital to this prayerful life. It's vital to this constant conversation. I love this. In Isaiah 29, yeah, Isaiah 29, look at what he says. In verse 13, Old Testament. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. We can say some nice things. We can create habits that just flow off the tongue. Don't actually have weight in our heart. But I think what Isaiah is getting at here is that it's not necessarily just about the moving of your mouth and the speaking of, of words. For we can come to God with some eloquent things that don't have any weight here. I liken it to this. You can be in a relationship, disconnected, disjointed, and still say I love you, but it doesn't weigh in here. You can give your spouse lip service. I love you. But it doesn't, it, it, something's happening here. They come to me, they come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they've been taught. Ooh. Sometimes we have some things that we've grown in, become accustomed to, that actually the Spirit of God needs to kind of dig out of us and replace with that which is true. That might be you and I today. I want to say this, and please, if you're taking notes, please get some notes. They're on the front of your chair. Write down some stuff. We've got some pens for you, all that stuff. Please take notes. Today, I want to say this. Bottom line for this, this message is this. A life of constant prayer begins with a heart pursuing the Savior. A heart, not lip service, not cool attendance pattern. 
not just I attend a church and I made it. Heart pursuit of Jesus. We actually had uh, who was that date night? Hey, date night, date night. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is uh, this is actually going to be. Um, we're going to find a lot of these principles that we see um, from date night in this message this morning. But it begins with a heart that is pursuing after Jesus. So I don't have any fancy stories. I don't have any funny things. I know I'm a comedian week in, week out. Ha, okay. I don't have any of those. Today, I want to answer your question because I've received this multiple, multiple times in small groups and circles. I've received this in phone calls. I've had questions after the last service uh, last week, just how does this work? And so the question that I keep receiving from you all and the question that I have for myself is this. How can I speak words to God 24 hours a day? Nick, I have to answer phone calls. Nick, I have to deal with my boss. Nick, I have to hang out with my children and, you know, make them peanut butter and jelly. All this type of stuff. How do I use my words 24 hours a day? If we look back at that Isaiah verse, that's very interesting. We can use words, but maybe it's not entirely about the words. Yes, the words are powerful. Yes, we're going to be speaking and conversating with God, and we're going to be diving into a relationship, and relationship has to have dialogue, not monologue, by the way, dialogue. So there has to be words, but I think we need to understand something foundational. I was, um, when, I, when I prepare messages, yes, I, I look directly at the word. The word is the ultimate authority, but there's some people that we can glean from that have gathered spiritual wisdom. And so I was reading a commentary, and this guy who goes by the la his last name's Morris. I forget his first name. I'm blanking out. This is what happens when you speak, okay? Look at what he says. He wrote this in 1984. He said, it's not the moving of lips, but in the elevation of the heart. Someone say the heart. The heart to God. That the essence of prayer consists. In other words, this is how it works. This is how it begins. The elevation of my heart to God. And it is this that enables us to put in the practice, into practice the injunction, pray continually. You might not have words 24 hours a day, but what we can do is give our heart every second to Him. To elevate our heart and give Him all of it. That is the pray continually. For those who have been asking me, how do I pray 24-7? Man, man, what if it's just elevating my heart to God? You're about to have a rough conversation with an employee. Elevate my heart, God. You got to take it. Elevate my heart to you. You're about to make a big decision. You don't know which way to go. I give my heart to you. We're going to talk about what giving our heart to God looks like a little bit later. But it begins with elevating our heart to God. Making sense? It might not be 24 hours a day of talking. That would be exhausting. I would get tired. <laughs> but we got to, huh? Would I though? I know, maybe not. Yeah, I like talking. <laughs> so if you go into the Word. Danny, are we in Luke chapter 11? Can you please check? See, my head's all over the place. Especially when we worship like that. I get thrown all in twists and loops, folks. Can you tell me, am I in Luke chapter 11, Danny? No, I'm not. What is it? John 11. Everyone go to John 11. See, here we go, folks. Thank you, Danny, for just being that guy for me. Thank you. John 11. John 11. If you got the word, come on now. John 11. Ah, there we go. John 11. 
We're going to be reading a lot today. But I think that when we read this story, the story about the death of Lazarus, we can find what a genuine heart connection looks like. I wrote this down whenever I was preparing this week. We get to witness in this account, we get to witness the genuine heart connection between the Savior and those whom he loves. There's a lot of people in Jesus' time, religious leaders that offered lip service, and it meant nothing. And then here's these average ordinary family, this average ordinary family that had a genuine heart connection with the Savior. And it was entirely different. You would think the religious leaders would find a lot of favor. Oh, they can say some nice statements and it is so eloquent and perfect and theologically correct and blah, 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 blah. Martha and Mary in this circumstance saw Jesus move in a way that not many people had the privilege to see. So we get to witness this in this account. This is verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus. Someone say Lazarus. Lazarus. Do you remember that old store, Lazarus in Monroeville Mall? Whoa. Okay. Oh, I would go there with my gram. Uh. <laughs> he was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. We've talked about that story in church. This woman just busts into a, a house, literally just bursts into a house where Jesus was having a meal and sharing some doctrinal conversations and talking theology. Busts in, doesn't even care about who's in the room, and starts dumping her perfume in an act of worship, crying and weeping and asking for forgiveness. And Jesus forgives her. It's a crazy story. But I love that he points that out because we see that there is a prior connection here. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Isn't that such a good statement, though? The one you love is sick. Sometimes, man, I, I got to tell you, if you feel that God doesn't love you, oh, he loves you. He would lay down his whole life for you. Believe me, he loves you. Sometimes we get in that trap. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not deserving. Oh, no, no, no. He loves you. I have a prior connection with them. Lord, the one you love is sick. They sent word. What does that seem like? That sounds like a prayer, hey? Lord, the one you love is sick. There was a prior heart connection in this relationship. There was a prior heart connection with Christ. And Mary, that we see on display from before, she was a worshipful person. Giving her heart to Jesus, she poured it all on the line. And found forgiveness and found change forever. And then her family is sick and she reaches out. She offers words and says, Lord, the one you love is sick. Sounds like a prayer to me. Sounds like the beginning of a constant conversation. When Jesus heard this, he received the message. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. There's a promise. Whoa. Scary. When he says something that big. Whew takes a lot of trust and belief to believe that statement. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Do you see that heart connection goes both ways? I love what Martha did in the first place. She communicated what God had told her. I know you love me. I know you love your son. And he reaffirms it. 
So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Jesus, what are you doing? Bro, I kind of called you and I need you here. He's like, ah, it won't end in death. Sit on the couch. Chill out. Pretty backwards. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that we in our human thoughts need Jesus to move exactly how we want him to move and we don't have the full picture, which is why we constantly, when we pray, we land disappointed. But if we understood that it's all for God's kingdom that we're praying in the first place, it might actually change how we feel about his response to prayer. It'll change our it will change our response to how he answers. If you can understand that he works all for good, it will change, it will change the response that we have to how he answers. Let us not be selfish Western, I want what I want, ah, now. So much more than that. Stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, all right, now let's go back to Judah. But then they had fear. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Yeah. I will go to hell and back for those whom I love. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. Oh, that is a whole message and a whole theme for our life. Walking in the light, oh, come on now. I, I mean, we're not gonna do sermon number two. We gotta watch a Steeler game today. Um, for they see by, the, uh, by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Essentially what I wanna communicate from this portion is this, we will not fully understand his ways. Never, his ways are higher, his ways are greater. We just won't understand, but know this, he listens and is moved by our hearts. He listens and he's moved by our hearts. As big as he is, as mysterious as he is, as much as we know him but are in a constant journey of discovering more, know this, he listens and he's moved. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. That's what you would say to someone who's sick. That's a great idea. Let him sleep, you know. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant just natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Because what's about to happen is going to change the world. I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. If he's moving, I'm moving. Give it up 100%. Jesus is about to answer prayer in a way that glorifies and builds the kingdom. And let me say this. Every time he answers prayer, it is for the glory and the building of the kingdom. It just is. Yeah, our life circumstances are so weighty. We have a lot of pressure and we need response and we need breakthrough. But do you think that that breakthrough is just for you? So when you're struggling with that anxiety for 13 years and finally you have breakthrough and those people around you who knew you, who knew you were held down and in shackles for the past 13 years see you walking free, is that just for you? Or is it a testimony that's gonna build the church? So he's about to answer prayer 
but it's going to build the kingdom. Amen, church? So on his arrival, the story goes on, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And this time, the context was they would mourn for multiple days. They didn't just have like a viewing and then like just say, all right, sayonara. They would mourn with their family, their relatives, and their friends for days. At times, it wasn't even a talking thing. They would just sit there. And everyone who was with them and comforting them, they would respond with whatever was needed for that person who had loss. Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha, someone say Martha. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. She heard that Jesus was close and could not contain herself and had to leave. She didn't care how she was feeling. She didn't care that everyone was out of her house. I would feel weird people staying at my house with me there, without me there. She just went. Those who seek me will find me when they seek me with their whole heart. When we seek after him and after him with our whole heart, we will find him. He's close, I'm running. And he's true to his promise. She left, she went out to the city and said, I need to talk to my savior. I, my heart has been desperate. My mind has been set on him. I have so much to say to him, I need him. Someone say, I need him. When you get to this place, oh, something changes in your prayer life. Lord, she finally gets there. Lord said Martha to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sometimes we get afraid to say stuff like this to Jesus. Eh? You know what I mean? Where are you at, God? Sometimes we get afraid to say that. I think a natural conversation is a beautiful thing between you and the Savior. But sometimes we close off because, again, he didn't move how we expected. But look at what she says. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's so right. She's so right. But I know. Someone say, but I know. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. This is so cool. I love this part. This is not a scripted conversation. She's just sharing her heart with Christ. Hey, I needed you. I don't think you would have died. I know that you'll do what you do, and I know God will move, but I needed you. How beautiful of a conversation is that? Imagine the relationships around you if you went like a robot. How are you? Oh, my gosh, so good to see you. And you have all these just formulated responses. No, she was just genuine. I needed you. I don't think my loved one would have passed. I think that's beautiful. Am I the only one? She just had a non-scripted conversation with her Savior. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered. Someone say, I know. Oh, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Oh, she knew her word a little bit, huh? She knew theology. She had listened to Jesus' words. She wasn't just merely in attendance, being inspired by some cool thoughts. No, she took what was spoken before and put it in her heart. I know he'll rise again on the resurrection day. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? They start having a theological conversation. Here's that dialogue that I'm talking about. She gives him his heart and all of a sudden they start talking. How beautiful is that? I think we can learn from this. Go to God with your heart and start talking. Open up. Have your ears to listen. Take what's written in the word. That's what she did. She heard his word and stood on it. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. What a beautiful dialogue they have. What a beautiful reassurance of faith. How God will let her know, I, I, he will rise again. What a beautiful thing. I wanted to say this in response to this portion of the scripture. Belief is vital to our heart connection. And with a lack of belief, oh, God can't do it. You think your heart's going to be close? Ah, oh, I'm leaning on him for that promise. I don't believe he'll do it. You think you're going to be close or no? Thoughts? Belief is vital to our heart connection. Belief is actually what draws us close. Amen? And so can you see her reminding Jesus of what he had said? You're allowed to do this in your conversations with God, by the way. Jesus, you said you'd give me rest. He said, yeah, I will. Here we go. Sometimes you're allowed to pray the word of God to God. That's a wonderful thing to do. She was reminding Jesus of what he said to her in prior conversations. Look at what you said. You said he'll rise again. Let's go. That's awesome. But belief, belief is required. Someone say belief. Belief is required for our heart to connect with him. After she said this, she went back to the house and called her sister Mary aside. Hey, the teacher is here. I love that she calls him the teacher. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Are you attentive to when God is asking for you? And if he is asking for you, will you get up quickly and make the move? A heart that's connected like that will get up and make the move. I'm not the best at answering every phone call, according to Todd Mealy. But when my heart is connected to you, I will answer. Emmy is my life. And when she calls, nothing else exists, I'll answer. When Warren, one day when he's 24 years old and finally gets a phone. <laughs> Kiki, when she's 38 and finally gets a phone. When she does call, you bet everything else ceases. When your heart's connected, someone calls, you go 100%. Sometimes I feel like the church has this a little bit messed up. He calls and we don't respond. And we don't make the move. It could be big things or small things. I was supposed to encourage someone with this word and I was too afraid to do it. We have people coming up front and I'm, I'm scared to go pray. Ugh. But I feel this pull. When he calls, go. Go. 
Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, keep going, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her. Whoa, she's pretty urgent right now. Let's race, okay? Supposing she was going to go to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then she started weeping. Um, sometimes when we read the Bible, we put a 12-word sentence and we move too quick past it. Has anyone ever wept in this place before? Is it four seconds? No. She said one phrase and was weeping. I can't tell you if it was four seconds. I can't tell you if it was four minutes or four hours. But she was weeping at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Do you know that your heart, an open heart, moves his heart? The thing I want to say about this part, I think that's beautiful about prayer. And I've discovered this with my wife. Sometimes we, we joke. <laughs> we, say, we say we're getting really old because some of our favorite nights are, you go sit on that couch, read your book. I'll sit on this couch, read your book. Connection. Sometimes words aren't needed. Just a genuine heart. Was there a lot of dialogue here? No. There was not much dialogue in her conversation. She was wearing her heart on her sleeve. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And just wept before God. Sometimes we can just go to God open-hearted and just sit and rest. And the dialogue doesn't need to be crazy. You don't need to fill the space. You just need to give him your heart. Say someone, someone say, give him your heart. That's it. That's it. The room's quiet. Is everyone all right? Is this kind of like hitting a little bit? Is this all right? Yeah. She was wearing her heart on her sleeve. Don't skip past the she was weeping. Weeping is not a four-second, ah, done. No. And imagine, like, you know what's really cool about this? Is she wasn't embarrassed. She really didn't care what was going on around her. And everyone could have tweeted about it and said, oh, this is weird, look at her. She didn't really care. She was before the Savior, open-hearted. And she went for it. Where have you laid him, he finally asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept too. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. An open heart doesn't need this. He doesn't need the eloquent words. He doesn't need the moving lips. He doesn't need the awesome honoring words. He just needs this. See how he loved him. Jesus displays a genuine love for his children. It's true. It's true. Especially when we give our heart to him. Warren has been, uh, I don't know, Warren's been a little funky right now and we could use some prayer for that. He's just a little bit off. I don't know if it's, he's not outside as much because it's cold and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if there's something that we need to change. 
But I know that when he opens up, my heart explodes for him. Constantly. Especially when he opens up. He had a rough morning this morning. And uh, him and I, I don't know, this is not scripted. Him and I were, um, last night we were playing Pokemon cards. (laughs) He's learning how to battle. I let him win. In due time, that will not happen. So I let him win. And uh, I say, all right, buddy, after our game, it's, it's past your bedtime. It's time to go to bed. And I, I want to try teaching them that sometimes you just got to go to bed. I always want to snuggle, but sometimes you don't, you don't need snuggling all the time. It's okay. So he woke up this morning, and he was really angry at me. And uh, I said, bro, come brush your teeth. Your breath is stanky. Brush your teeth. Let's go. And he was He actually got mean to me. He started, no! It's like, excuse me? Started screaming at me. I couldn't figure it out. Finally, my wonderful wife just stepped in and was like, I'll handle it. Got everything situated. And finally, we got into the car to take him to my parents so that way we can come and, and do work here and see him here. And I got into the car and uh, he started doing like his lips were like shaking. You could tell he was hurting. I was like, buddy, what's on your heart? He wouldn't say anything. I felt a pull on my spirit. He's upset that you didn't snuggle. I said, buddy, it's because I didn't snuggle you last night. And he started crying and shaking. My heart exploded for him. I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you needed that that evening. There's going to be times where I can't, but if you need it, I will. He just opened up his heart, expressed his emotions. My heart exploded. And I am a broken man. Imagine how God the Father feels about you. Because of them, Sorry, I like lost track. I needed to share that and get it out. Sometimes it does work on my heart too. This isn't just for you. It changes me. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He said, take away the stone. He's in the habit of doing that. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time it's a bad odor for he's been dead for four days. doesn't matter. Then Jesus said, did I tell you, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Oh, see the glory of God. If you believe you will see the glory of God. That's such a good answer. It's not if you believe you will get exactly precisely everything that you wish for. You'll see the glory of God. Wait, Nick, doesn't scripture say ask for whatever in my name and it will be given to you? Yeah, ask for whatever in his name, aligning your will with his, not my will. You'll see the glory of God. That is his will. He'll remind you of what he said, and he's constantly teaching. He is the teacher. He's constantly teaching and growing. So did I not tell you? He'll remind you of what he said, and he'll constantly teach you and grow you. When you start praying and having a heart connection like that, isn't that amazing? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you. There's that rejoice always. I thank you that you've heard me. (laughs) 
He listens. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of people standing here that they may believe that you've sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I think there's something that we can learn from that. Just so you know, the majority of miracles were predicated on the word being spoken and prayers being said. He didn't just go pick up the man and tell him, or he didn't just go pick up the man and he walked. He said, pick up your mat and walk. He said, he said, your words matter. That's a whole different discussion for a different day. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a beautiful story. This is crazy. I love reading the word of God because there's about like 900 messages that can come from this one passage of scripture. But here's what I want to say after this whole story. Here's what I gathered this week. Martha and Mary, they talked with, they cried in front of, they thought of, they listened to, and they sought after Jesus. That's the heart connection. That's what we need. That's what they did. Sometimes we can look at the Bible, oh, it's all about Lazarus. No, did you see how they lived it? Genuine heart connection. Does anyone want that in this place? That's, that's what I want. And that's what's going to create this lifestyle of constant prayer, is a genuine heart connection with your Savior. Seeking after, talking with, giving your heart to Him, being an open book, showing Him what's on your sleeve. Just go for it. It starts with the heart. I, I always want to make sure that these sermons give you some application. They give you something to walk away with that, hey, I can challenge myself to do something this week. Because we can't just hear the word and then do nothing. Be doers of the word, right? So how can we step into a lifestyle of constant prayer? How can we do it? We're talking about the heart today. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it like this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Someone say, all of my heart. All of my heart. You'll find me. It's a promise. And that heart connection begins the life that is exploding into a life of constant prayer. And so again, I was praying about this week. What do I talk about? How do I give some walk away points so that way we can put into action what we're hearing? I wanted to say this. Let's learn from a man who is known to have a heart after God's own heart. What a beautiful thing to do. Let's read the book. There's the, there's the place. It's right there. How do we, can we learn from the man who is after God's own heart? What can we learn? First is this. Someone say, depend on him. Depend on him for everything. That's an action that you can do. I need... The right words to say. You got it. God, I need the provision that you promised so that I can serve, go for it, provide for my family, etc. Depend on him for everything. I don't know what's next, God, but I need you. Depending on him for everything. My flesh, it says in Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart. Someone say, my heart. My heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is everything that your heart needs will fulfill everything that your heart desires. If it aligns with Him, He's everything you need. 
everything your heart needs. Your flesh, your thoughts, your plans, everything about my manhood will fail. But when I depend on him for everything, it begins that heart connection that is just so overwhelming. Are you depending on him with everything you've got? That's a big statement. Because I think we could sit here and say, oh, I'm depending on him with 95%. This one little chunk here, mm -mm, I got control. I know how to manage this with my own strength and my own power. You'll find a heart that is connected with your Savior, a heart that is constantly in prayer as you depend on him for everything. Uh, week number one, that's going to be really hard to do, but it's something that we can practice. Amen, church? Second one is this. Be conscious of his presence. Someone say his presence. Be aware of it wherever we may be. A heart that is connected is aware. I know where Emmy's at. We communicate. We talk. She's usually at her sister's house. <laughs> She's not here. She's over there. Just being aware of where his presence is, where she's at, where he's at. That's what a heart that's connected does. Are you aware of his presence wherever you may be? Psalm 139, it starts talking about, it opens up with this, search my heart, oh God. You've known my inner workings, everything about me. You see me when I wake up. You know when I fall asleep. You know my thoughts. You know what I'm thinking about. You know everything about me. I love what Psalm 139 says. It says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? He understood that he was, that God was with him. The writer understood that God was with him always. I think a heart connected is constantly aware of where God is, constantly aware of where the Savior is, constantly aware of the spirit, constantly aware of his presence. It's different than just speaking all the words, but when you're constantly aware of where he's at, ooh, that establishes a continuous prayer life. Last thing is this. This word I don't often use. Someone say yield. Yield. Yield ourselves continually to his will. Mm. Not what I want, but what you want. That can become like a when you start praying that prayer and you start seeing God come through and some, some crazy things happen in your life and you start seeing him move because you're following him with every step of the way and, and, and leaning on him, you start like repetitively saying this constantly. Oh, whatever you want, God, whatever you want, God, whatever you want, God, whatever you want, God. When you exist like that, your heart is surrendered and that conversation, that continuous prayer life flourishes. Look at this. Psalm 40 says it like this. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Notice all of these mentioned, the heart. Your law is within my heart. It's a good side plug to say, hey, we're still obsessed with God's word. Yeah? I delight to do your will. When you yield your will to his, go lead me wherever you want me to do. That constant prayer conversation is ignited. Amen, church? It all begins with the heart, though. A life of constant prayer begins with a heart pursuing 
the Savior. You'll learn the words. You'll learn when to pray. You'll learn when to be quiet. You'll learn when to just listen. You'll learn when to just cry like Mary did and just be there. Prayer comes in so many different ways and so many different forms. My goodness, it even talks about the Holy Spirit just groaning and interceding on your behalf. It's not just this, 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 this. No, no, no. It's this connected. This chasing after its Savior. Amen, church. Can I pray for you all? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you made yourself available. And thank you that uh, you'd be willing to connect with someone like me. I am. I pray over those last three things that we talked about this this morning. I pray that we would have a heart that is entirely dependent upon you. I pray that we would have a heart that is constantly aware of your presence. And I pray that our heart would yield its plan to yours. And then that heart connection would lead to a life that is exploding with prayer, constantly connected, constantly listening, constantly dialoguing, constantly sharing what's genuinely on our hearts, constantly being open and transparent before you. God, I pray that the conversation and the continuous prayer never ceases as our heart connects with you. Does anyone in this place need to give their heart to their Savior? This connection we talked about last week, that there is no way to the Father except through Jesus. (laughs) Eloquent words are nice, but when there is no connection through Jesus, they might just be empty. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is here to offer a relationship to you, forgiveness, wholeness, and an eternal life, a promise of His presence, a promise of His Holy Spirit, only if you would declare Him your Lord and Savior. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be some some eloquent religious leader. You don't need to have it all together. You just need to give Him your heart. And if you want to begin that journey with your Savior today, it begins with confessing and believing in your heart that He is your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is your Lord and Savior, that He died thousands of years ago, rose again to set you free. Does anyone in this place want to begin a relationship with Jesus? On the count of three, go ahead and raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. It's all right. It's good. Thank you, God. If you want to make that real in your heart, just pray this from inside with everything you've got. Jesus, I give you my heart. I believe that you died and rose again to set me free and to give me life, life everlasting and life here on earth. And so I'm excited to give you my heart, to connect with you like I've never been able to connect with every anything before. God, have your way in my life. I depend on you for everything. I yield my heart to yours. And I want to be aware of your presence for the rest of my days. I'm excited to walk with you. I believe that you died and rose again to set me free. I turn away from my past, and I'm chasing after you with everything I've got. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Can we lift up a shout of praise for those who made it?